I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we jump into the show, we'd like to thank our launch partner, Canada Pet Food. John Gordon and Scott Whipple launched Canada out of Southern California in 1996 because they wanted to make a pet food for people like you and me. They are quite simply pet people. They understand that pets are members of the family. Canada remains an independent, family-owned company all these years later. Try Canada with a special offer for our listeners at canadacom slash podcast. If I got replaced before I was even gone, then what value do I have? Welcome to the second episode of Manic Rambling Spiral, or MRS, as we like to call it, or MRS Podcast, I suppose. I'm John R. Bray. And I am Heather B. Armstrong. Last week, we shared the story of how I became a full-time single parent. (laughs) Just a few of those little details in there. Quite Quite the the story. story. And uh, what that looked like for me. And this week, it is John's turn. And... Oh, wow. John's story. <laughs> I'm just going to laugh right now. <laughs> yep, John's yep. story has its, oh, wow, its fair share of um, twists and turns. It's an understatement to say that this is a dramatic, epic Shakespearean, um, sprawling. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it's an it's an opera. Epic, it's an it opera. Was too, it was too short. Yes, it's an opera. That makes sense. It's its own. It's like an opera version of a manic rambling spiral. I think. Excellent. <laughs> so, just some quick history. Um, my Heather and I started dating in early 2005, and we moved in together in the fall of 2005. But the catch here is that when we started dating, she already had Lexton, and he was about. 12 months old at the time, 15 months old at the time, something like that. And when we moved in together, he moved in with us. So I became a father overnight. It was like a ready-made family package. And that was a big change because I was 21 at the time, freshly 21. Okay, wait, so you were 21 years old. And wow, you're not even Mormon. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You were 21 years old and you went into this relationship knowing that you were going to be essentially a father. Well, yeah, but that gives me more credit than I deserve. I went into this relationship knowing that a child was included, like an added feature kind of, oh. because how hard can it be, right? Like, yeah, it's a kid. Like, well, that's right, easy. you were 21. Right, right. I had taken him to the park and it went well. So it was like, yeah, this is going to be fine. <laughs> and that is not true. And it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. But I decided that I could either pack a bag and run like hell or be the best dad I could be. And I had a great dad as a role model growing up, so I decided to choose that path. And it's had its fair share of ups and downs, but, uh, but it, was a, it was a good run for sure. Um, and it still is a good run. But I'd say the biggest down over the last decade or so was in February of last year, 2015, when I learned that... Heather had started a relationship with someone else while we were still together. Oh. And, yeah, that was... There's there's really no way to put it into words. I hate, I hate saying that I was totally caught off guard and blindsided because it sounds... I feel like that's what everyone says, but I, I can't explain it. But you it didn't know. Any other... I, no, I had no idea. The, the week... The weekend before I found out, we had spent a great weekend together in Chicago, running all over the place, and it was fantastic. And then all of a sudden, this bomb dropped, and I felt like the ground just dropped out from beneath me. And 
it was devastating and crushing. I mean, it had been 10 years. We had a family. We had a life together. And yeah, I, I felt like all of a sudden I was just trying to find something firm that I could hold on to and everything I would grab just fell away. Well, which is essentially, I mean, even though you guys weren't divorced um, or married, you weren't married. I mean, that's that you're basically describing what going through a divorce is like that right there. Yeah. And I think it, I mean, we weren't, we weren't married, so it wasn't a divorce, but it, it was every emotional part of a divorce. It was everything minus the legal proceedings, right? right. I mean, 10 years and a kid, that, that's a marriage. Like there's enough there to say that it's like that's a, a commitment. That is a commitment. It just doesn't have the legal, the legal component of it. Right. Right. We hadn't signed papers, which in some ways made things easier because then we didn't, you know, we wouldn't have to get attorneys involved, but it doesn't, it doesn't take the emotion out of it and this crushing sensation that you that you really have no idea what you're going to do what the next day is going to look like and I felt like honestly if I hadn't been able to text you if I hadn't known that you understood sort of the mental game that this is I, I feel like I would have just spiraled well, I, down you didn't and down tell and me down. initially remember we like I would I <laughs> I wouldn't be like how That's are true. you doing today John and you and I always respond really positively. I'm like, oh, I'm great. Things are great. And I did that for a few weeks. And one day I remember typing, I'm great or something in, into the text and looking at it for a minute. And then I just deleted it. And I said, things are awful. My life is falling apart. I felt like crying. I remember typing it and, and thinking I was going to cry. Well, it, partially because I was writing your website. So I felt like saying my life is falling apart, but don't worry, your website's going to be okay. But at the same time, like I'm just crushed. But because of Lexton, because he was always around, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't be crushed on the outside. So it was like I had to, I had to hide it. Right. Which makes it even worse when you have to have fun and smile and laugh and act like everything is okay when you know in your heart and in your head and in every muscle in your body that just aches that it's not okay. Well, I remember when you, when you told me what the gist of what was going on, and this is a, I feel compelled to do this when anybody tells me that they're going through the the breakup of a really serious relationship, especially one that has the level of commitment of yours. Um, because of what I went through, there's there's so much that I wish I had known going into it. And I wish somebody had pulled me aside and said, you know, I know exactly like it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna get way worse before it gets better. And I'm here when for those times when it does feel like it couldn't get possibly more horrifying than it is. Yeah. And it, it always it always did. I mean you were you were always understanding of it, but you were always right. Like I would think, hey, maybe I hit bottom and then that floor would give out. Right. Um and, and I think this first started to become like I, I, I started to notice that trend of the bottom falling out. Um, not so much even in February when I found out, because for some reason, even though I found out, I remained kind of hopeful, like, ah, it's a phase, maybe it'll pass, which looking back is ridiculous, but I, I clung to it because it was all I knew. I mean, this relationship, I, I entered into this relationship when I was 21 and it lasted for 10 years. So that's a, the better part of my adult life. Um, but then I found out. No, that's not that the better part good. of your adult life. <laughs> well, Sorry, a, up, <laughs> I'm gonna. Up until now, right? As, so as speaking, I'm, I'm little... the elder here. You've got so many <laughs> more. And here, let, let me impart this to you now, as your elder. There's so much to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, and I've. I think, you know, with with therapy, medication, and you know, plenty of words of wisdom from you, I've definitely come to realize that you know, better years are, are to come. But at the time, you know, it was all I really had to hold on to. It was all I really knew. It's all I'd known for the last right. decade. I mean, you know, when you when you parent, even when you're not single parenting, it kids are life. Like that is what you know. Right. You live it, you breathe it. Um so I held on hope and then I found out in early March that she was planning to travel to see this man wait, did, who happened to live wait, across the country. did she tell you that she was traveling to see him? She, uh, yeah, this is kind of a, yeah, she did. Um, I didn't agree. You didn't agree. <laughs> and then, no, you know, not really. You know, oh, sure, you'd like to use our shared finances to go see him. That sounds great. But at a certain point, I, I couldn't really 
I couldn't really do anything. But I think what really was kind of like salt in the wound is that I, I knew she was going to go visit him. And then she was asking me what I thought about certain hotels and if they'd be good whoa, or whoa, bad. Whoa, or whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. I did not know this detail. You you have left yeah. out this detail. She asked you for hotel. Uh, yeah, it's because it's it's humiliating because I, I, I remember looking at some of these hotels and going, yeah, it looks like a nice one. Oh, that, that one's not so great. It looks And like the whole time in my head, I'm like, what what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this? But I didn't. I couldn't really get things straight. So I, almost, I felt like I was just kind of being pushed along. Oh, just keep going. Just keep playing along. Just keep doing probably it. probably in shock. Oh, I was definitely in shock. I mean, it was like you think, oh, she's she started a relationship with someone else. But he lives across the country, so this is as bad as it. Oh, now you bought a plane ticket. That's great. And I found out about this at like 1 in the morning, and then the plane ticket was purchased at 2 in the morning. So, I mean, it, there's like exhaustion and fear and incredible amounts of anxiety um i i mean it was ridiculous i i didn't eat well i was losing weight um for the first time in my life i was seeing a therapist i was on anxiety medication it was really rough yeah it was uh, to say the least this was this was a really dark period for you i remember like every every time you would text i was like oh my god did another floor drop you know I know, I know, and and I it was, and I, and I wasn't dreading would, the text. I was just like, hey, how much worse can this get? I know, and I I I never wanted to. There were times early on where I didn't want to unload on you, but it was like you you'd text and say, "How are you today?" And like, oh God, where do I start? Like so much has changed in twenty four hours because that's how this went. I mean, everything moved so quickly that there was never a time to pause and take a breath. So every time you'd ask how I was, there was always some development. Something had happened. Something had changed. Right? But I, I remained hopeful because I'm an idiot. Well, no, I, I think a lot of people, pa- a lot of people or, in, in, in this type of situation remain hopeful. You know, if it's not a mutually agreed upon, you know, separation, I think one of the parties does hold hope. I think that's a natural instinct. And And I guess maybe you have to. I guess I sort of saw it as like a, and I don't, I don't mean this as a criticism to her, but like a temporary insanity. Like maybe this will pass. Right. Maybe this is just a weird period. We can get through this. Um, and that was my hope even when she got on the plane and left in March. So you were – so wait a minute. So you're, you're at home with Lexton knowing that she has left to get on a plane to go see this person. Right. Okay. I'm at home with him knowing, knowing where she went and who she was going to see. And Lexton, he also knows – where she went and who she was going to see. However, he thought she was going to see her friend. Okay. That's how it was presented to him. And and even for him, I remember him asking me, you know, who's this friend? How does mom know this person? Why is she going to see him? Because it didn't sit right. Because for one, we, we didn't frequently travel alone unless I was traveling for work. And he'd never heard this name before in his life. And he knows our friends. If he hasn't met them, he knows their names. So it was weird. So I'm home with him trying to grapple with what this means to me as a man. And he's wondering what the hell his mom is doing across the country with another and man. And so you had, did you have to answer those questions for him? Oh, yeah. And I don't want to say that I that I lied because I, I've tried to be incredibly honest with him as honest as I can be for him at his age but I I kind of sugarcoated it I guess because I was kind of lying to myself because I said yeah she's going to visit a friend you know they're friends and sometimes people do that and and saying it I knew it was not true but I wanted it to be true like she'd come back and oh it was great to see him and then life would just continue as normal you know but I could even see that Lexton I mean, he obviously couldn't put all of the pieces together, but I could tell that it wasn't it wasn't okay in his head. Like as he's processing it, he knows there's something not right, and I do too. But there's like this this age barrier and this father son barrier where we we don't really talk about the details, right. right? And I think that there are some questions like that that she has to answer. Like yes. she's the she she's responsible for answering answering those questions at a certain point. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. And and I think as things have progressed here, and I've been able to wrap my mind around this as much as I can, that's sort of where I've gotten myself is to say, you know, he'll ask a question, and I'll say, that's a, that's a really great question, but you're going to have to ask mom. Right. Mom's going to have to answer that. And there's times where he does, and the answers aren't quite as robust as they should be. So sometimes I'll fill in the blanks, and I don't, I try very hard to not, you know, taint his thoughts. But if, if half information is given, I'll complete the information, just the facts, not not my impression of it. But, you know, actually, this is what happened. Right, right. It's um, self, self-preservation self plays a lot in just, like, the survival of this type of trauma, I think. Absolutely. But it's it's like you can't, there's no preservation. Like, everything for me happened so quick. It was just like destruction, nonstop destruction, and you couldn't preserve anything or hold on to anything or do anything. You actually gave me uh, an analogy, and I, I have it written down somewhere, about like being at the bottom of a pool and holding your breath. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. And it's like that sensation, and it's it's perfect. And it's horrifying, but it's but it's perfect. It captured like everything that I was feeling. It didn't It didn't make it easier, but it helped me understand it. So when she um, got back from from seeing him what did you do so she got back and that was kind of i guess when maybe it started to sink in a little bit that this is this is for real uh so i moved out um i i mean i stayed hopeful in a sense but you know we sat down with lexton and we explained to him on a very surface level that we were having some problems um, and I was going to move out, and, and this was kind of problematic over time, I guess, at least for me, the way that I felt about it, that we were going to move out so that we could work on these problems, so that we could have our space and we could talk about these things and work through it. Um, and then I packed a duffel and <laughs> moved into her parents' basement. Oh, wow. You yeah. packed a duffel bag. Which, yeah, I lived out of a duffel bag for three months in, in her parents', parents basement. basement. Okay. And I think in, in some ways, I mean, as, as much as I hated that and as honestly as degrading as it felt to have to, you know, walk into their house every night and see the neighbor who knows me and probably wonders why the hell I'm there. Um, it was helpful in a sense for Lexton because he, he knows them. They're his grandparents. He knows their house. So I was at least close. I didn't, I didn't move far away. I didn't, you know, there was none of that that he had to try and grapple with. So it was, yes, dad's not home, but he's 10 minutes away. Right. Um, Which is, I think is, especially at the, at the beginning of a dissolution of a family like this, that's, I think it's so important for the children that, that particular point, the proximity is so important. Oh, absolutely. And I think the other thing that, that was kind of rough is he, you know, he knew why she went to why she traveled um, out west. And um, he knew who she went to see, but when I moved out, he didn't know that this person had anything to do with our problems. So in his mind, this other person didn't exist, right? Like, he, he, he knew about him, he knew he was a friend, but it was it was a, a non-issue. Um, and we'll we'll call this other person Robert because that's his name. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's going to get so confusing with he and he and he and he. Um, but but he didn't know that Robert factored into this at all. Um, it had never it never crossed his mind. We never presented it to him. Uh, so I moved out in the, into the basement, which was a decent basement for what it was. And her parents were incredibly supportive of of me and the fact that I was you know trying to work on this relationship and the fact that I stayed very actively involved in Lexton's life. I would take him to school and pick him up and uh, you know for him everything was very much the same except I was sleeping somewhere else. I would get to the house in the morning and I would leave when he went to bed. Um, but th- this is sort of also when the, this really probably the darkest part of all of this started for me because it was this mind game, this mental trap that you know t- if the way that I processed it was if I got replaced before I was even gone, then what value do I have? I, I must just be, I must be worthless. And it was this constant nagging voice in the back of my head every single day, whether I was 
staying home with Lexton when he's sick or whether I was working, it was this voice that was always there. Like you serve no purpose. You have no value, obviously, because you got replaced. And that was... That's devastating. It was it was devastating. I, <laughs> I had to increase my uh, anxiety med dosage. I It was hard to work. It was hard when I wasn't around Lexton to want to do anything except sleep. And But I had to. I had to work. I had to make money. Um, and I think to, to further compound this, nothing from Heather was concrete. There was no, we're going to date, but it's going to be long distance. Or we're going to date, and he's going to move here. It was, nothing was set in stone. So I felt like my whole life as a result was up in the air. Right. You felt like it was in somebody else's right. hand. Completely. Like I couldn't, I didn't want to get an apartment because then if she decided to move, I'm stuck in a lease and she moves and there goes my son. Right. And that was, that was horrifying. That was probably, um, not, not quite at that point, but that was my biggest concern is that she would move. And I think you, you started <laughs> presenting this to me as a very likely possibility way, way back in like March, probably even before she went to visit him because you knew that he, he lived across the country. Right. And I think I may have and said, it's a little bit of a possibility, tiny, tiny bit that might happen. A little bit. And, <laughs> and, and on the surface, I'm like, no, no, never, never. But that thought kind of kept popping up in my head. And you kept mentioning it like, hey, any, any word on if she's, she's going to move? Um, and then I am in not going to get in that boat and paddle down that crazy river with right. you. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. No way. No way. I'm staying on shore. And then May rolls around, and I find out in a roundabout way that Heather is going to marry Robert. Whoa. And I think... She's going to marry him? Yeah. And you guys had been together yeah. for 10 years, and you never got married. Yes, and they had been together for five months, four months. I guess five months by the time they got married. Yeah, so it's like that. I, I can almost say that 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 might be when I feel like I hit bottom because that was when, like, it, that was that was such a permanent move, right? right? To to marry, like, okay, you're marrying him now. I know for certain things aren't going to turn around. Like the the, the hope is gone now. And, but at the same time, that was sort of a, a turning point for me where I was able to tell myself, okay, like if, if it's not going to turn around, then I need to stop putting my energy into please, that. I, I need please to tell me that Lexton was not a ring bearer at this ceremony. <laughs> you know, he wasn't, he might have liked to have been a ring bearer, but he had no idea when, when they... When they got married, he didn't know they were getting married, and he probably didn't know they were getting married because he didn't even know they were dating or engaged. He had no idea that Heather had started a relationship with someone else. She might have done some things out of order <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, like just a couple like here, here and That's there. That's what you guys had in common. Right, yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, with a lot of things with parenting, there's no... There's no right answer, right? There's no right way to right. do it. But there's like 4,000 wrong ways to do it. And when you choose to do it the wrong way, yeah, there's really no there's really no right answer at that point for sure because you've already done it the wrong way. Right? So when you, when you know when you get married and then well, I don't want to tell him because that's kind of sudden. Well, yeah, because the marriage is kind of sudden. So now we're caught in this big spiral that he has to get pulled into. Because it's such a big life right. change. He has, to, he right. has, to, he has to be pulled into it. I mean, he, he has to be told right. at some. I mean, you would think that that would be relayed to him, right? And then, of course, my my biggest concern now. I mean, now I realize if they're getting married, the chances of her moving are fifty fifty. Maybe he'll move here, maybe she'll move there. But you're not going to get married and have a long distance marriage. That's very unlikely, right? Um, there's probably people that do it, but very unlikely. Um, so I started to panic because. You know, if they get married and she moves and takes Lexton, that's incredibly problematic to me because he's the center of my life. 
and that can't happen. And I knew that it couldn't happen to him because everything he knows is is here. And so outside of Chicago, family and friends and school, and he's you know he was going to be entering a new school, and I knew that that couldn't happen. And so since you had not ever adopted him, like did you go find out like what your rights were? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was when this became clear to me that things were going to really start to take a, a serious turn. I met with a family counselor. I met with an attorney. I researched like hell to try and figure out about things like common law marriage and, and what sort of parental rights I had because, you know, I'd been living with him as his caretaker for, you know, almost a decade. And everything that I found in my research, there's no common law marriage in Illinois. There were no parental rights that would automatically be granted. So I had no legal rights. I didn't even have guardianship. Uh, I And I, I knew that if I became a single parent, which is what I knew the path had to be, regardless of whether she moved or not, I would be entitled to no child support. I would get nothing. I think this is, this is a I, really important point to drive home to anybody like going through this is like the research component of this is really crucial. Um, I mean, I, w- I don't want to say for peace of mind because it kind of, when I went and... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it can have the opposite right. effect. Like when I found yeah. out that I was not going to spend every single Christmas with my kids, you know, it, it was absolutely devastating. But at least then I was prepared. I knew that, that that was a possibility, right? I was equipped with the knowledge. And um, that knowledge is, it doesn't feel powerful, but ultimately I think it makes you so much more um, capable of dealing with this being off tilt like this. Right. You you have to find the information and prepare yourself for it. It doesn't matter how good your attorney is or how much you think you know. You need to have it. You need to be ready because so many things can change. There's so many factors that can come into play or in, or in my case, no factors because I had no rights. I had, I had nothing. Um, but you know, despite, I mean, essentially I'm a, I'm a free man. You know, she, she could have said I'm getting married to Robert and I could have taken that duffel out of her parents' basement and hopped on a plane to the beach. And that would have been it. You could have, you could have just basically said, okay, fine. I'm going to pack up everything and disappear. You could have done that. Right. And no one could have done anything about it. It would have been awful. It would have crushed my son, but I, I could have. And I'd be lying if I said it didn't cross my mind. It never crossed my mind to the point of seriously looking to do it. But I knew that I could. I knew that there was nothing binding me to him or to parenthood at all. It probably crossed your mind in one of those heated, like, doesn't she understand, you know, that I can just get up and leave? Like, does she not grasp that part of this whole equation, you know? Right, right. And and I think there were times where that would kind of boil up in... Uh, we'll call them heated discussions. I'm I'm um, but... I'm familiar with these <laughs> types of situations. Yeah, they happen from time to time, and I I would think about it, and I remember thinking about it and feeling like I'm just gonna I'm gonna play this card. Like you know what, I can leave, and you can't do anything about it. I guess a a I didn't really want to be that person because I didn't even want to hear myself threaten to do that. Right. Because I, I, because I knew that I wouldn't. Like, I, I could say it every day, but I wouldn't do it. And I didn't want to say it. Like, there was this aching fear that I would say it. And she would say, oh, fine. Mm. And that then then I here I am thinking I already have no value as a person because I've been replaced. But then to hear that she could just dismiss me as a parent, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't want that. Right. I didn't want to hear that. You don't want to give her that power. No. But I, I knew, I mean, as soon as she said that she was getting married, I knew that he couldn't move. I knew that that was not right. And I remember uh, this was one of the few times in in all of this chaos that I kind of sat down with her and, uh, I don't know, t- it sounds terrible to say cornered her, but kind of cornered her to, to try and get some answers in terms of what she was thinking in regards to our son. Because I knew that he couldn't move. And it got to the point where I said... <laughs> I said, you know, if you want to move, you can move. And Lexton can stay with me. And and you can move and start your life. And I meant it. I, I mean, I wasn't ideal. And I told her that she's 
super important to him, but I knew that he couldn't move because if he left with her, he'd be moving and all he would have was her. Every other comfort in his life would be gone. Right. But if he stayed and she left, he, he would have lost her, but every other comfort would still be there. And I was trying to, to look at this situation from his perspective and what needs, what can we do to keep as much the same as possible, right? Right. And, and she, again, because things were so fluid this entire time, nothing was ever set in stone. So I'm in her parents' basement, you know, meeting with, meeting with the attorney and the counselor, trying to figure this out, trying to figure out what my options are, trying to convince her and show her that this is really not a good decision to move. Don't move. Um, and th then I also realized that even if she didn't move, you know, if Robert moved here, I didn't want Lexton to live in a house with someone he 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 doesn't know at all. Had he ever met him? No, <laughs> no. So he, I mean, so you've got this this little boy who's ten years old who's who's never met this person, and then what? He's gonna he's gonna share a house with him, and this person is going to suddenly become a a father figure. I mean, I, I know that step parents exist, and I'm I'm not criticizing step parents. I mean, he's Lexton is not my biological son. I I get how this works. But I thought that that would be so emotionally destructive for oh, him. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Right to me. I mean, it, it was thinking about it was emotionally destructive for me. So to say, "Hey, I'm going to move out and you're going to live with mom." Oh, and by the way, Robert's not a friend. They dated. Oh, you know what? They actually got married. So, here you go. How how I I, could, I couldn't do that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. And so, so you took Lexton, correct? I did. Yeah. So they they got married sometime in June, and I moved out with Lexton just before the Fourth of July. And in even then, even then, I moved out with him, and we said, "Well, you know, I'm moving out because Mom and Robert are dating." or in a relationship. I don't remember the language that we used, but not not that they're married, just that they're together. So, you know, the day that he moves out is the day that he finds out this person who was his mom's friend is actually replacing me. I can't imagine what was going on. In the on. house we spent that many years. I can't imagine what was going on in his little head. No, no. I mean, and he's he's such a sharp kid, and that's it's he's so hard to read, which makes it even more challenging. He's so bright, but he he's the type of kid who needs a little while to process things. Mm -hmm. So he'll hear it and you might not get you might not get a response right away, right? He might say, "Okay," and kind of nod and you can see it working. And then, you know, you talk him in at night and he starts sobbing because you know, why why can't why can't we all live together? Right. He he probably asked me that every night crying for the first three or four weeks, every single night. And all I could ever tell him was, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really know how to answer that question. Because I didn't. I didn't feel like I was hiding anything from him, but I really didn't know what had happened. Right. Right, why it happened. And so when he moved, 
when he moved out with you, he didn't even know that they were married. No. No. No, I mean, so this is, he moves out in July, so this is like five months-ish after we started having problems, which means it's uh, like five months after he found out about Robert, but he'd never heard that Robert figured into this. the equation. At at all. Like, he, he, he was a friend, so he could have been like any other friend. And then all of a sudden, this friend is moving here and moving in with mom. And what's going on? And, you know, when you said that you answer the question, like, I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that has been my answer to the questions. You know, what? what, There, I can't come up with the right comforting, you know, like, what would a therapist, how would a therapist respond to this question for a child? Because I'm not a therapist for a child. I'm actually a party inside of all of this, you know, this machinery that is happening around my child and I'm so caught up in it that the only the only proper thing to say is I don't know that's right and it's not like it's not like I'm not trying to get off the hook for the answer but it's like how do how do I tell the truth without you know completely destroying this child's life right right and how do you and and with some of those questions though it's like how do you tell how do you tell the truth when when you don't even, at least in my case, when I don't even really know 100% what the truth is. You know, so for, for Lexton, it's, why can't we all live together? Well, mom's living with Robert. Well, why? Well, you know, I don't know. I've been wondering the same thing for five months. Right. You know, and, and I don't know how to give a proper answer. And I would never, I would never, you know, blow him off. I would just say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know. And sometimes with those questions, even if I didn't really know if, if Heather had the answer, I would tell him, I would say, you know, why don't you ask mom? Ask mom that question. You know, you can you can ask her the questions. Because I sure want to ask mom those questions. Oh, yeah. Please, <laughs> please ask her and let me know what she says, because I would love that information. Oh, my gosh. Um, I've actually I've actually really thought those thoughts. I'm like, please do <laughs> go ask your father that question. I would like to know the answer, too. Right. Like casually over dinner. So what did dad say? Like, <laughs> Because how else do you get how else do you get the information, right? And I guess I have to just to to kind of paint a picture of how why this was all so hard to process back, you know, post marriage pre pre moving you know in that one one to two week span, um, the the question was asked in a roundabout way whether I would perhaps consider moving so that Heather could move and that I could still be with Lexi. What? What? So like, 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 basically, hey, I'm going to move across the country and bring our son and you should move too um, so that I can be with my husband and you, right, right, which is, that's a a novel idea. That's a novel idea, Heather. I I remember hearing that and being like, you, really? Like you're not, this isn't a joke. You're, this is actually an option. I kind of was tempted to say, Sure to see if that was something that was really being considered because so many things were happening at once. Like, is this, is this for real? Is it a joke? Would this really happen? Would I really move? You know? And, and I would go back and forth like, yes, I would move because I would need to be with him. And then, no, I can't move. I can't just move. I can't just pick up and move everything so that she can be married. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I have, I have my limits at a certain point. Um, but that didn't happen. Obviously, he moved in with me, and it was, it was rocky. Um, and you know, we we moved right before the Fourth of July. Spent the Fourth of July w- with Lexton, just the two of us. And this is a memory that I will never forget. He sat in my lap and cried through oh. the fireworks. Oh. And the Fourth of July is probably his favorite holiday because he loves fireworks. And the second they started going off. He climbed into my lap and he started bawling oh. because mom wasn't there. Oh, and yeah. Um, and can I share a story? <laughs> please, yes. Oh man, that reminded me. Um, the when John moved, he was what beginning of September, and um, Marlo Marlo had a very 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 difficult time um, 
I had her in active therapy every week and um, she just, it was, she hated, she, she hated being dropped off at school. Um, she hated when anybody would leave the house. She started to hold on to things. Um, and her favorite holiday is by far, I'm sure, well, after Christmas, she loves Halloween. My kids love Halloween. It's a oh, huge yeah. deal. Oh, yeah. It's a huge deal in Utah, which bugs bugs the crap out of me. But because um, I'm not, I will, I refuse to put on a costume. Um, I'm the same. And yeah. we have this annual tradition of going trick or treating with um, uh, their friends around the neighborhood. And I remember being, well, I was about a mile away from the house when. She just broke down bawling and, um, I picked her up and I tucked her, you know, in, in, into the, into my neck and I asked her what was wrong and she just, she couldn't even articulate it. She just started bawling and I asked her if she wanted to finish up with all the kids and she just shook her head and, um, I walked, I walked, I held her and I walked a mile home and as she bawled and cried and cried and cried and I remember, I, I yeah. put her to bed, I got her settled and I just, I went and I sat on the couch and I was like, I f- like, this is a, this is a five-year-old. This is my five-year-old. And right. never in a million years did I think that I was going to be in a, in a situation where my five-year-old child is going through this. Right. And you, you can't, there's absolutely nothing that you can do to change it or to soften it or anything, right? And it's, it's. I mean, it's heartbreaking, but at least for me, it's this weird combination of heartbreak and, and just uh, honestly, like so much anger. Right. Because how can, how can someone do this to a child, but how can a parent create these feelings? You know, and I'm, I'm not saying that they intentionally created them, but that, you know, the actions led to that. Mm-hmm. You know, for her to, to sob on Halloween, for, for Lexton to just completely break down and miss all of the fireworks just because because of this because of this change it's just it's terrible to recall it even it, it is like that same feeling because it does it does get better it's not like we have these miserable nights every night but just to recall how fresh it was for him and how, and how fresh it was for me and for you right as we're dealing with it and then we have to you know stand up straight chin up and you know say it's going to be okay well, when kind of like in the back of my mind I'm like it's going to be okay but maybe it's not I don't know <laughs> You know, I don't know anymore. I don't know the answer. See, like their their absence means something to us specifically, and it means something to to our children specifically. And those are very, very different. Like John's right. absence means for me, you know, a lot, a lot more responsibility. And and there's certain there's feelings wrapped up. <laughs> there's not feelings, feelings, but like, you know, right. right. There's emotions, emotions yeah. and there's, you know, there have been some heated texts and there's been some heated emails, far fewer than there have been really, you know, amicable ones. But what what his being gone means to me is very different than what it means to Marlo and Lita. And it's, I call it pretzeling, is when you have to like contort your brain into what is my child, how is my child processing this absence? And without right. without any interference of my feelings about it, like, how is my child processing this and how do I help them come through it, you know, as unbroken as possible? Absolutely. Well, still acknowledging, like, there are going to be breaks that you cannot prevent no matter what you do. Right. And I think that's the hardest part. I mean, you do the best that you can, right? But I think, to your point, like, when, you know, with, with Heather, with, with the end of our relationship, for me, you know, I, it was a, I lost her, but then I gained all of this added responsibility, Right. So that sort of filled that void in some right. ways. But for, for Lexton, he lost her and that's there's nothing to fill it except this this feeling of emptiness, like recognizing this feeling of emptiness and what he lost. He lost her and then he had to move into a new place. Right. A new place and then a couple months later there was school, a new school. Um, and I guess I should mention, you know, we moved out together uh, at the beginning of July, and then it was a, about two months later that he found out that they were married. So you know, for him, like the changes just never seemed they were hammering away to stop at him. everything, and then everything else in his life that would change too, like amplified it. I mean, he he had a pet goldfish, and it died, oh. and it was like I mean, in my mind, like 
it's a fish, man. Like we're, we're gonna flush it. It's cool. Don't worry about it. But for him, like, oh no, here here is another piece of my life that's falling apart. You know, and and again with the with the marriage, I remember when she told him, and then he told me. He said, "Did you know that that mom and Robert got married?" I said, "Yep, I did." And he was just really quiet. I said, "Well, what do you think about that?" And he kind of shrugged, like this, like melancholy shrug, and he's like, "I don't, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird." I said, "Well, yeah, it it is kind of weird. I mean, I didn't want to like smear her relationship, but the speed at which it happened, right? It's weird. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, you know, you had no idea who he was." Then you found out he was a friend. Then they're dating and he's moving in. Then they're married. And what you don't know is that they were dating before you found out and they were married long before you found out, you know. And that that was and that was something, you know, Heather told him that they were married. And I specifically I said to her, I said this is something that you will tell him. I will not tell him this. This is your this is your story. This is, the, this is the question that she has to answer. Absolutely. I'm not, it wasn't for me to, because, A, because it's not my story to tell. I mean, she's, she's writing this. She needs to tell it. But also, I didn't know what questions would come. And they're not my questions to answer. Like, none of those questions are my questions to answer. Right. So I feel like I'm, I'm grappling with this sense of, like, being a, a completely worthless man and human being and partner because obviously I, I was that easily easy to replace right overnight like here's someone to fill your shoes and and trying to hold myself together well also you know with my free third and fourth and fifth hand trying to hold him together mm-hmm. because I can see that he's he's falling apart and he's not even able to process it on an adult level so I can't even imagine you know I, and you you can't ever get in their head no. right so you don't know how they're processing it They'll they'll show and, you a little bit here and there, and you hope to get a little bit of it here and there, and right. those are those moments are like you don't want you don't want anybody to breathe or the wind to move because you're like oh my gosh they're expressing exactly what they're feeling nobody say anything right yeah yeah you don't want to respond with the wrong word or the wrong gesture because it'll shut right. it down right you know it will and you know that it'll get shut down anyway but you feel like if maybe you do the right things it'll stay there a little longer right. And then it disappears, and then maybe it's two days before you get it again, or a month. You never know. But or it comes you know, spilling I, I, out, you know, as it comes spilling out right. on Halloween, you know, and right. you have to carry a crown. Or you carry her for a right. mile. And and some of those things are even, you know, not even her telling you how she's feeling. It's just that that moment, mm-hmm. right? Or those those very long, heavy moments of walking back the mile, where you really start to grasp right? The magnitude of what it's done. But there was never a time, there was never a night that I would lay with him where he was crying. There was never a question that he asked. There was nothing that ever made me regret pushing to have him live with me. Never. Because I knew that as hard as it got at times for me as a single parent and as hard as it got for him to process, it would be way harder for him if he had to live in a new place with a new person that he, he had never met before. Right. So, so now he, he lives with me like 90% of the time, probably 90% of the time. Just, just about. Yeah. yeah. And you don't, and I work from home. You don't have a babysitter. Is, you know, no, I have, I have no babysitter. I do not have a closet full of nannies. Like some people, <laughs> my, <laughs> my family doesn't live close. My closest family member my brother is two hours away i can loan you one of my closet nannies that would be great just you know box her up and ship Mm -hmm. her off but so i really i mean her family has been incredibly supportive of me and my my efforts to single parent and everything that i'm doing with him but and and i appreciate it I, i would never say that i don't but it's weird to not have it be my family to not have my parents around or my siblings around that can help with this so you i mean there is an alone, there is a lonely, not lonely, but there's an alone, an aloneness to this for you. Absolutely. It's, and I mean, I know it's like, I know that I'm not, but because all of the help is at such a distance, I am. And it's like, I, I mean, this sounds really, really dumb and I hate the island analogy, but I feel like I'm an island, but I can see 
like I can see the the other land, mm-hmm. but I just know it's it's too far to swim there, so I just have to stay. Right. And that's exhausting, <laughs> and and frustrating. And I I knew it would be. I mean, I I knew as well as you can know when you become a single parent, right? Like, yeah, I know it's going to be hard. Oh yeah, no, it's going to be like really hard. You really you but really again, can't be prepared for it. Like like we said, you don't you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> This house is going to come flying out of the air and land right on top of you. (laughs) And that's just like the the beginning. That's just the beginning. Right. Or water is going to pour out of your life fixture. (laughs) Like something. And that's just kind of, you just roll with it, right? That's just what happens. But fortunately, uh, Heather is still very, or, you know, very involved, as involved as she can. I was going to ask about that. Is she, I mean, does she still take him some weekends? She does. Um, for the first couple months, probably for the first, oh man, almost three months, it was, I don't think it was until October that she finally had him for a weekend. So for those first three months or so, it was 100% at my house all the time, every day. And that was through summer while I'm trying to work. But we've now gotten to a point where he, he has finally met Robert, and he does go over there every other weekend from Friday evening until usually I don't know, early afternoon on Sunday. So I have like almost 48 hours every other week. To try to catch up. free time. Yeah, I mean, on something, there's like 42 things to catch up on. And I got to pick like two. So, you know, it's like one step forward, 20 steps back. But she also comes over. I've kept a very open door policy with her. Uh, Early on when we moved in, Lexton asked if she could come over and see his room. And honestly, I was really uncomfortable with it. I was kind of at a point where I didn't want her in in my world. Um, I, I obviously wanted her involved in his, but I didn't want her in my world. I didn't want her in my house around my things because it was still so fresh and raw. But I said, yeah, because this is his house too. Right. And since then, I've maintained a very open door policy and she'll stop by after work. Sometimes she'll have dinner with us. Um, sometimes she'll, you know, stop by and pick him up and take him out to dinner, um, occasionally. And it helps him. I think that's as close to normal as he can get right now to have, you know, the three of us in the same house getting along. And it's really important to me that he sees that there is a high road to take that, you know, that even though things can be really dark and really bad, and even though he doesn't fully understand the magnitude of how all of this happened, he sees that I don't have to be rude to her, that I don't have to be mean, that we don't have to fight mm-hmm. because it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. That wouldn't benefit me in any way at all. Right. It doesn't – you being angry and you being bitter and you trying to punish her doesn't it, – it's not punishing her. <laughs> it's just no, making – it, it hurts, it hurts me. you. And then it, it hurts him because he'll see that and see that that's how dad treats mom now. That's what he does. And I don't, I don't want to be that person. No. And I think, I'll, you know, also I know that I'm so lucky to have him with me, that I'm lucky to have the flexibility with my job that lets me, you know, be home with him in the summer and, and work around his schedule, you know, that lets me bring him the lunch that he forgot on the dining table at home after I bring him oh, to God. school. Even oh, though... no. no. <laughs> <laughs> right? Even though it's going to take like an extra half an hour. No, like... Seriously, seriously, the the forgotten lunches are oh my god! Ah, so you spend the time making the lunch, and it's just like this basic thing to grab the lunch off the countertop or out of the fridge, you know, just like this basic one thing, this one step. And I've got my morning routines. I don't know if you do yet, but I've got my morning routines oh, down pretty well, so that it's not you know, it's not chickens running around and being trying to be herded by cats. Um, it's, you know, it's a pretty rhythmical dance that we do to get out the door and forgetting that lunch. Oh, it's just like finding the a mistake in a masterpiece. Do you know what I mean? Right. right. That's exactly what yeah, it is. It's like, ah. Because everything is perfect. And like you said, you have your routine, right? And I like the same things happen at the same times every morning in the same way. We do the same things. And you, you always check, right? Do you have your lunch? Do you have your homework? Do you have, <laughs> are you dressed? With Lexton, it's. <laughs> Have you remembered to zip your pants up? Because every morning you forget, right? All of these things. But 
the one day that that you forget, like you you kick yourself for the rest of the for day. the rest because okay, so in. I could be the mom, so I, I pull up into the to the parking space that I normally pull into, and I could be the mom that says, "Well, you forgot your lunch. Now whose fault is that?" <laughs> I, yeah. Now you're gonna be hungry. Now you're gonna be hungry. Right, That's right. your fault. <laughs> I sound like I sound like my sister there. Whose fault was that? Um, or my mom. Um, but I, you know, it, it's her lunch, and she's six, and I don't want her to go hungry during the day. And I already feel bad, you know? There's this guilt that comes into it where, you know, I can't be every single thing that they need me to be. I try, but I'm ultimately going to fail. I, I can't. I only have two hands. And there's right. a part of me that feels guilty that I only have two hands. You know, there's so many times where I I have to tell Lita, you know, I'm sorry I can't help you with that because I'm over here with this, you know, I'm doing this thing I'm handling this crisis with Marlo. I will get to your crisis, you know, when the other hand frees up. And I already feel so guilty in that capacity. And I know guilt doesn't serve any purpose, but that I'm going to go drive back home and I'm going to pick up the lunch and I'm going to go back to her school. I'm going to park the car. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to drop it off at the office. You know, I'm going to take that extra 30 minutes out of my day because I just, I I want her to have lunch. (laughs) Right. And it sounds so simple and you know right if you said well you forgot your lunch i'm sorry you're going to be kind of hungry today she's not going to die she's going to be fine yeah she'll be hungry and crabby maybe she'll cry right Right. but she'll be okay but it's that it's that nagging voice because they want like subconsciously you need to be you and john combined right you can never be that so you're never meeting expectations and and it's right. hard. It's, it's hard to let like... go. It's hard to let go of the fact that like, no, I'm going to be everything that they need. And it's hard to let go of that perfectionism. Um, it's gotten easier to let go of it as time goes on. I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to get done. Okay, I'm not going to be able to comfort you because I'm over here doing this other thing that's much, much, much more important than, you know, I'm putting out the fire that's about to burn down the house, right? And um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's much. It's getting easier with time to let it go. But it is you. You want to be everything that they need. It's it's an instinct I think as a parent. Absolutely. But you have Lita and Marlo, and Marlo's still young. With Lexton, you know, I can sort of reason with him and get him to see, you know, why I can't make dinner and help with homework and turn on some music so he can listen to music all at the same time because all of those things have equal weight in in his right. head. And you just can't. But I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, with with Marlo, there's not as much reasoning. Oh, there's just, no I need you to, reasoning. I need you, right, Are you kidding right? me? Right. I need you to do these 37 things, and I don't understand why you can't do one of them. So just do them all. Right. But with Lita, would would she gets that at least to some degree? Right. Just like Lexton. Oh, Lita is long suffering when it comes to that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The best older sister ever. Which is good, and they have each other. I guess that's one. They do have each advantage. other, and they've had each other through this whole this. You know, they've had each other through this whole separation and divorce and his relocation, and their relationship is magical to watch. And um, you know, they they always come home and talk about how they've hugged each other when they saw each other at on you know passing on the playground or passing in in the lunchroom. And man, I I've got good kids. You know, they've been through a lot in their short years, but I've got really, really, really good kids. And as much as I'm known for hating parenthood, I love parenthood. <laughs> right. And it's it's hard to say that. And, and I think the same thing about Lexton. I have a great kid, especially considering everything that he's been through. And as hard as it gets, as difficult, as, as impossible as it is, it's kind of okay. You know, at the at the end of the day, it's kind of okay. It is okay. Yeah. We're going to be okay. But I think... We're going to be okay. Absolutely. We have to be okay for them. <laughs> There's like, no choice. Even if, even if we're there not going to There is no be choice. Okay. We like, will be okay. We, we must survive for our children. But now I think, you know, with, with all of the nitty-gritty details of, of our stories out there, I think we can press forward. 
and start to dig into what it actually means to be a full-time single parent. We will press on to we will press on and in the next episode we will discuss iOS 9. <laughs> Is that even a thing? <laughs> I don't I don't know 9. 9. 5 or something. something like Yosemite. Yosemite. Yes, well, iOS 9. Yosemite. We will cover that in detail. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. 